Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Dover's great. It's tough, physically tough, mentally tough. It's really challenging and, and makes the best drivers come on out. There's a lot of pressure on, on everybody. I think you have to lay it all out there and, and know that there's no second chances. You definitely have to have your A game. You gotta be clutch, you gotta win the race. The NASCAR playoffs are riding into Dover, where a monster is lying in wait. Who will be moving on to the round of 12 and whose dreams of a championship will end? We're going to begin to answer those questions in this hour. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody. Carol Amano and Parker Kligerman with you here and along with Kyle Petty from Charlotte as well. Kyle, let's start with you today. What is the most nervous you have ever been before a race during your racing career? You know what, and, and used to, they used to have the 125s or the qualifying races at Daytona, and you showed up down there, no points, had to get in through the race. I started my own team in 97. I didn't sleep for a week and a half. I got it, before I got in the race car, I threw up in the garbage can. I ran the race. I got out of the car. I threw up in the garbage can and had to watch a whole, the second race to make sure I was solidly in the Daytona 500. Most nervous I've ever been. Kyle, that's weird you say that because that's exactly how I feel right before I sit in this chair beside Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> like you want to puke? That's how we start the show today. I had to. I couldn't stop. All right, but I will oh, say it's funny you bring up qualifying races because I think the most nervous race car drivers have ever been. I was just talking about this with someone the other day is when you've been in a go-go-home position, but the only race all year that you're most likely in a go-go-home position in your career is a lot of times the Daytona 500, and I can think the most nervous I've ever been was trying to make it in Daytona 500 as well. All right, sure. Let's move yeah, on. Yeah, this. Yeah, let's move on, and uh, we'll tell you what's on tap for this hour because we do have quite a show for you today. We're going to catch up with Jimmy Johnson, who looks to continue his dominance at Dover and advance in the playoffs. Martin Truex Jr. and Furniture Row Racing hosted an event at Dover today in support of those dealing with spinal cord injuries. We're going to bring you that. And we know that Parker here is good in the simulator. This week, he took on some of NASCAR's best in an iRacing showdown. And we are also going to reveal this week's nominees for the Pit Crew All-Star. So all of that coming your way. For four drivers, of course, in this year's playoffs, it is over in Dover. I know you love that expression. Um, however, those drivers have yet to be determined, so we're just going to try. But here's how things look right now. Ricky Senhaus Jr. holding the final transfer spot by virtue of a tiebreaker over Austin Dillon. This week, Ricky was a guest on the NASCAR on NBC podcast where he spoke to Nate Ryan about dealing with playoff anxiety entering this week's elimination race. I feel like your fuse is just a little shorter. You're trying to get your car to handle better and be faster, and you're looking at all these playoff cars that are they're already fast every week, and then they like take another step up, you know, like brought their best car to the racetrack, and it's like, dang, they they must have been sitting on this all year. Like they haven't brought the best all year, and the the bar was just raised right. a lot. I feel like, and you see that in that first practice session in Chicago, and um, and I feel like it just kind of creeps up 
you know, every week. And is it motivating for you and your team or is it somewhat demoralizing? How do you get better this late in the season, right? It's tough. It shows, you know, that, hey, you got to keep working. Um, like I felt like we've made a lot of gains this year, but, you know, when it comes down to it, have we made enough? I don't think so. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's what that kind of shows is like, man, you feel like these guys are like really fast and you're working to get to that. But then, bam, the playoffs start and you're like, dang it. You got to keep climbing. Yeah, we're not you know, quite like, as high as it's we high, we wanted to be. Yeah. That peak is higher than I thought it was going to be, I guess. <laughs> Austin Dillon, Newman, and myself are all obviously separated by one point. McMurray's only nine ahead. So there's potential for him to, you know, kind of come back to us if issues happen. And really even, you know, up a few more spots. But also, Kurt Busch and Casey Kane, if they have two good first stages and gain points, well, they're right there too. Kurt Busch doesn't have to win. You know, Casey Kane doesn't have to win if they go out and get good stage points then they set themselves up for the end of the race of you know maybe maybe things working out so you know we're definitely going to have to be conscious of what's going on I think that scenario is going to change throughout the race a lot so that is some of what Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is predicting may happen this weekend let's go over to Parker who has moseyed over to the touchscreen so Stenhouse Parker one of 12 drivers looking to claim the remaining eight spots in the round of 12 right and he's in a good position to do that right on the bubble right now as you see here in 12th place tied with Austin Dillon and this team I had them going through the first round of playoffs into the round of 12 before the playoffs started and the reason being is I felt like this race team could just muscle out some finishes we didn't see it at Chicagoland but we saw it this past weekend at New Hampshire after hitting the wall he fought away back into a top 15 position and that got them to where they are now he's very confident entering Dover I've heard him talk about what he feels like is a great racetrack for him being Dover so Kyle my question is I've got him moving through do you think the same I don't know yes I think I do have them moving through and, and and listen I thought everything you just said when they came back last week at New Hampshire and they begged and they borrowed and they stole and they ground and they ground and they ground and they come out with that the finish that they got that kept them in the game that's what playoff teams do and I was really impressed by them for sure. Now let's look at the guy he's racing on that bubble, Austin Dillon in the three car. This team felt like at Chicagoland they had a better car than where they finished. They felt like they were most definitely a top 10 car. This past week at New Hampshire, though, they didn't have that. They were not a top 10 car. They were maybe a fringe top 15 car. Austin was not happy after that race, just did not have the speed that they wanted. And now they enter Dover, a place they're very confident. Similar to Ricky, I feel like this race team just feels like Dover is a good track for them. I have him going through I think Justin Alexander and this race team are going to find a way to find themselves going into the round of 12 after this Dover race what's your thoughts on that yeah I have these guys going on also um, because I, I will say this they may not have gotten the results that they've wanted the last two weeks but I feel like that Austin Dillon has stepped up his game and we talk about playoffs and teams stepping up I think Austin stepped up they're not a contender for the championship by any stretch of the imagination I don't feel but to move on they are for sure and now let's look at his teammate Ryan Newman who's one point back there in the 31 car Sadly for Ryan Newman and Richard Childress Racing, I don't see the 31 car going to the round of 12. For whatever reason, before the playoffs even started, I just did not have a good feeling about this car. And now they find themselves on the outs looking in, trying to get to the round of 12. And I just feel like Richard Childress Racing could be looking at losing both cars in the playoffs, but most likely the three cars can go through and the 31 will not be joining him. And I believe you think the same way. 
Yeah, did, did we agree on everything? <laughs> these guys these guys have gone to the well too many times, uh, and there's nothing left in the well. We know a few years ago, never won a race, finished second in the, in the, in the championship chase, which was phenomenal to see them do that. This year they win a race, and we're counting them out because I don't think there's anything left there for them to reach down and grab. They just don't seem to have it this year. That's right. Now let's look into the playoffs at a driver who's nine to the good. That's the one car of Jay McMurray. I do not have him moving past the first round. And my reason being is that I just don't see this race team figuring out what he's getting, what his teammate is doing really in the 42 of Kyle Larson. I don't see this race team going out and muscling finishes the way I see other race teams doing it. They just seem to be a little bit of a step behind some of the other teams in the playoffs. And therefore, I believe Jay McMurray in this one car do not move through. What do you think? I think he's already into the next round. That's Aww. the way I looked at it. And, and I'm going to say this. You're right. They don't have what Kyle Larson has. They're not leading laps. They're not contending for wins. But you know what? These two chase or these two playoff races, they have been consistent. They have just grounded out somewhere between 6th or 7th and 13th or 14th. They've got a couple of solid finishes. And I believe those solid finishes, when we couple those with some of the bad luck that a couple of other guys have, have had in these first two rounds, uh, move them on to the next round. All right, so the next guy we're going to talk about is probably the reason I believe Jay McMurray is not going to make it in, and that is the 41 of Kurt Busch. He is 17 points out right now of making the playoffs, but we heard Ricky Stenhouse kind of get into the fact that with stage points, this offers a massive opportunity, and I believe the 41 car will be the best example of, of stage points that we've seen yet this season, being that being 17 points out, if he were to go finish second in the first stage, that's nine points. If he finishes second in the second stage, that's nine points. That becomes 18 points, which at that point in the race, he will find himself in the playoffs. I think this car and the 41 car, specifically of Kurt Busch, will find themselves pointing their way in through the stages into the playoffs. What do you think? Look, if they finish second and second, they're still going home. Sorry. This guy, these guys, they can't close the deal. And, and, and Kurt said it. And, and the best way to put it was, I don't know where our luck has gone. They can be running fairly well. They can be contending. They can be moving up. And they get in someone else's accident. They just have a target on them right now, and I don't see them moving out of this round because I feel, even with points, I still feel they're in a must-win situation. Well, I'm just going to have to agree to disagree with you because I think <laughs> that car's going through. You'll see. All right, so our last guy here is a 24 of Chase Elliott. He's 26 of the good, and most people are looking at that and think, all right, Chase Elliott's through. But for whatever reason, even with his average finish of a 3.7 at Dover, he's run great there. I didn't have him moving through the round of 16 in the playoffs, and you don't either. What are we thinking? Are we crazy? <laughs> we may be a little crazy. I'm telling you, the penalty that he got in the first race uh, really didn't, didn't hurt him that bad. Uh, they came back. They didn't run as good when we go to New Hampshire. But I'm, I'm going to use the example of Jimmy Johnson going into to Dover a few years ago, 27 points up, and has a failure early on and, not, and gets eliminated from the playoffs right there. I look at this team in that type of situation. I just don't believe what they've put together is capable to sustain them on to the next round. So I, I, it's amazing to me that they're this far up right now, but I still have them out. Hey, we might look like geniuses after this weekend. You never know. We won't look so crazy after all. All right, so let's tally it up, see where we ended up here out in the playoffs. So I've got Jay McMurray going in or going out. You've got Kurt Busch going out. And then from there, Ryan Newman, Chase Elliott, Casey Kane, we all agree those are the guys out. So we'll see how it plays out for them this weekend at Dover. Pretty crazy how much we line up there.
That is crazy. I'll I, I tell you what. we got to quit going to dinner together, man. <laughs> That's quit, what it is. Quit. We've been hanging out way too often. That's the problem. Well, Carolyn, anyway, as you can see, maybe Kyle Petty and I should just start spending a little less time together. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps that would be uh, the right solution. All right, I have kept an eye on your predictions, and we're certainly going to bring those up next week. In the meantime, 11-time Dover winner Jimmy Johnson in pretty good shape right now, playoff-wise, and also doing some good at Charlotte Motor Speedway this week. Johnson breaking out the paintbrushes for a meaningful cause. We're going to hear from the seven-time champ when we come back. Well, after 19 years, this weekend marks the final Malaysian Grand Prix racing at Sepang starting Saturday night at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific, right here on NBCSM. On Sunday, Jimmy Johnson would like to avoid what happened in the playoff race at Dover back in 2015. He needed just a 25th or better showing to advance, but Johnson's car broke a rear axle seal, which led to his elimination from the playoffs. Overall, that incident, though, just a very small blemish on Johnson's impressive resume at the Monster Mile. You can call it a monster. You can call it a big racetrack made out of concrete. Call it what you want. It's flat out tough. Jimmy Johnson sweeps the Monster Mile this season. Well, they say this is the track that separates the men from the boys. Jimmy Johnson manhandled the field today. David Pearson and now Jimmy Johnson have won here five times. Jimmy Johnson joins NASCAR legends Bobby Allison and Richard Petty as seven-time winners. Jimmy, you whipped them today, man. For the eighth time in his career, he wins at the Monster Mile, breaking a tie with NASCAR Hall of Famers Richard Petty and Bobby Allison. Jimmy Johnson, another dominating performance, and tames the monster. This track's really been a good booster for confidence uh, for the 48 since day one. Across the stripe for the 10th time in his career, Jimmy Johnson is going to victory lane. It is all over. We are coming to the checkers. You won. me. What? For the 11th time in his career, has picked up the win here at Dover. Jimmy Johnson, the Dover Monster Master. And now on Sunday, Johnson seeks his record 12th victory there. But before heading to Dover, he was at Charlotte Motor Speedway yesterday to support a very worthy cause. Johnson and Bubba Wallace and several stars of the Xfinity Series joining hundreds of breast cancer survivors and Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina employees to paint Charlotte Motor Speedway's pit road wall pink to promote breast cancer awareness. And that is where Dave Burns spoke to the seven-time champ. So Jimmy and I are both the only dudes in our household, so the coming month presents uh, a lot of impact to us. How are you helping raise awareness for breast cancer? You know, I think our sport has really embraced um, this cause in the month of October, um, and I know all of sports has, and it's been neat over the years to um, find different ways to integrate pink into the race car and my attire that I wear on the race weekend, even, even the hat that I wear. So this is something that everybody needs to pay attention to and uh, to help carry that voice and to help promote it and uh, race awareness is something that I'm very proud of. All right, let's get back to the business of racing. Your playoff assessment so far, and how did you avoid the melee halfway at, uh, at New Hampshire? Um, New Hampshire, luckily I was far enough behind it. <laughs> that was helpful. That. It yeah. was. Um, for me, you know, we... Uh, 
we had a clean Chicago, we'll take it. Uh, New Hampshire was going really well and going to be an improvement on our, our race result. And unfortunately, a little hiccup late uh, cost us some track position. So we left points on the table there. So not overly pleased about that, but we're in a good position to transfer. And, and in order to get to Homestead, we, we've got to transfer out of this first round. So um, goal is to go to Dover. Hopefully we have an exceptional day there. Uh, we can use that momentum. Um, but more importantly than anything, we just, we just, we just need to finish, I think, in order to transfer to the next round. Well, and of course, you know as well as anybody, uh, Victory Lane is the only safe place because 2015 got you at Dover, but that track has to give you a level of comfort, the success you've had there. It does. Um, the crazy thing about it is it's such an intense track. Yeah. You're really never comfortable making a lap there. You're always on the edge, and if you, you know, very rare that you can spin and not hit something. Um, so it's going to be a very uh, uncomfortable race, but it, my favorite track. So it, there's kind of a, an argument going on with comfort and uncomfort. Well, how have you embraced it over the years and gotten the 11 wins? Uh, fortunately, you've, you've got to drive to place so hard that I just I stop thinking, and that's honestly probably the best thing I do inside that race car is to quit thinking. I can relate to that. And just go. <laughs> okay. All right. There's the speed secret right there. Yeah. What about the guys near the cut line? Any advice for them? Um, Not that you'd want to help them out, right? But in that. Uh, no, no advice. Sorry. <laughs> Good luck on your own, right? Good luck, yes. Do the best you can. Well, and in all the, the Dovers that you've faced um, since we started with the elimination in the playoffs, what is the thing that you always have to keep in mind? Uh, track position to a certain degree is, is so important because, um, you know, the, the crashes that take place there generally take three to five cars with them. And if you're mired in traffic for whatever the reason might be, um, those restarts are so crazy and so congested that, you know, there's a five-lap window there where anything can happen. You can go you can go down and, and not be your fault. Yep. Well, not a surprise to see the driver of the Lowe's Home Improvement Car in work mode today and for a very good cause. Let's take a look at this week's race preview driven by AAA. Parker back at the touchscreen. Parker, take us back to the spring race at Dover. Sure thing, Carolyn. So what we have here is the final restart between Kyle Larson and Jimmy Johnson. And Kyle Larson got his best example of what makes Jimmy Johnson a seven-time champion. In a lot of ways, he got schooled on this final restart. So as we get going here on the replay, we start here. You're going to notice the 42 is going to get a little squirrely. That's him spinning his tires. That's all Jimmy needed to take the lead down to turn one and never look back. He would eventually beat the 42 down the overtime line and win this race. And after this race, Kyle, Larson talked about how much he learned from this restart that he would apply later in the season. Yeah, you talk about getting schooled. It's okay to get schooled as long as you do learn. And Larson learned from this race. And he's been able to apply that at different races throughout this season uh, on restarts. And he has become the master of the late race restart, it appears to me. Yep, so let's take a look at one of those. This is Michigan later in the year. He's on the second row, which is a place you don't want to be. He's going to come to the restart here. He's going to push the 78 of Martin Trex a little bit, and then he's going to stick it three wide and four wide at one point through the center there and take the lead down into turn one. One of the most impressive restarts I've seen in my entire life, and that is a great example of a driver who took what he learned from another driver and applied it on the racetrack. Yeah, he didn't. We saw in the first restart that you showed at Dover. He let Jimmy roll on him. He rolled right up behind the guys in front of him. He started when they started. He was patient enough not to pull out of line. And when he pulled out of line, the cars got wider or, or spread out three or four wide. He was able to make that move. And that 
Parker, honestly, is one of the most impressive restarts I've ever seen. For sure. And now let's look at the last race of the regular season at Richmond, just a little earlier this year. He comes to the final restart, this time on the actual front row. And if we can get to go in there, he's going to beat the 78 handedly down into turn one there as he gets a great launch and therefore that's another thing he applied yeah he was able to make a move from the second row but now being back on the front row he absolutely destroyed the 78 on that restart and used those lessons to get the win there as well yeah he, he has become as we said uh, really the master of these late race restarts and let's go back he may have not won Dover with the most dominant car, but he backed it up with two wins with a car that wasn't even really in the race until the last restart. So it's funny the way the racing gods level things out. Take one away, give him two. Uh, it's going to be it's those those lessons he's learned are going to come in handy the rest of this season. For sure. And maybe the true test will be late in this Dover race this weekend, Carolyn, where he finds himself potentially against the 48. We'll see if he took those lessons to heart. Could very well turn out that way. We are going to keep Parker working. When we come back, he's going to jump in the sim. He'll show us the challenges of racing at Dover, but we're also going to find out how good of an eye racer he is. Parker took on some of NASCAR's best. Guess who came out on top? Stay with us on the other end of the break. All right, so double up on the chips and the burgers and the beverages as we have a playoff doubleheader for you at Dover Xfinity Series Racing Saturday at 3 Eastern here and then Sunday at 2 Eastern, the elimination race in the Monster Energy Cup Series, of course. So I sent Parker to the NBCSN iRacing Simulator. We know that he's a terrific driver. He competes part-time in the Camping World Truck Series and also in the Xfinity Series, but he's also distinguished himself as a terrific iRacer. So on Tuesday night, Parker, along with several other NASCAR stars, including Denny Hamlin, took part in the NASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational from Dover. The field rolls now behind the iRacing.com official pace car. Denny Hamlin going to be the control car as he heads to the race star box and takes the American at all. Green flag as we are underway. Yeah, already getting single file. Denny Hamlin got a great jump on the start there side by side meanwhile Parker Kligerman gonna get around Chris Bell in that number six he's stuck on the outside gotta make sure he doesn't get freight train now to the bottom side goes Parker Kligerman the number nine maybe looking to get to the inside of Ben Kennedy here comes Parker Kligerman up the inside he will get P2 from Ben Kennedy set his sights on Hamlet looking around goes the 51 he's gonna try and hold on to it Myatt Snyder oh. in Allgaier Allgaier going to get tagged, and that is it for the driver of the number seven machine. It's a battle for the race lead, and Parker Kligerman, lap number three, new race leader as he discards of Denny Hamlin and goes to the point, and Smith has been following Kligerman to the field to the inside. The gap between the first and second, though, is now two seconds. That fight for P2 really took a toll on Garrett Smithley, who no more than 15 laps ago looked like he was going to be the one closing into the back of Kligerman and challenging for the race win. Now with three laps to go, the Don well out and in control. So Hamlin going to win the battle for fourth. He's going to make a one last inch effort to get up to Eckes in a battle for third. But all of that is well and far behind Parker Klingerman, who looked like from the drop of the green flag that he had the car to beat. He'll come out of turn number four, take the checker to flag, and win tonight from Dover International Speedway. Kligerman finally able to put that number nine Toyota in victory lane in this NASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational Series. 
Parker, congratulations. What did you do with your 15 minutes of iRacing fame? Well, I think they all let me win it, to be honest, Carolyn. I think they were just trying to get in the good graces at NBC Sports, and, and, and many of them told me they really wanted to have me in your good graces as well. So they just let me get to Victor Lane so we talk about it. But in all seriousness, I think this is pretty cool what you did, and the fact that Denny Hamlin and some of these other drivers that are participating, you're basically in front of a couple of screens anywhere? Well, yeah, so we're all racing against each other online like we do on the simulator we have here. All the people that join us on these sim segments, they're from all over the world. And basically, uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, we had some great talent out there. It's cool that iRacing's putting those races on. They're doing it every two weeks or so. And uh, I, as I said, I was just very surprised to be in Victor Lane considering the talent I was up against. All right, now how will you fare in the sim at Dover? What do you have going on over there right now? Well, right now we're entering turn one, which is one of the coolest corners in all of racing, Carolyn. The reason being is that you drop into the corner and then suddenly the car loads up. We're making some good passes here right now. And basically, as a driver, it's the closest thing to going around a roller coaster. And there's just nothing quite as intense. And Kyle, I want to bring you in here. Basically, every time you go around here, we heard uh, Jimmy Johnson talk about it, you're absolutely on edge. And it's just one of those places that never lets you rest. Yeah, and, and you know, Jimmy, when he, when he spoke a, a minute ago during the interview, talked about how intense it is. You have to focus on it all the time. Explain when we come around the next time, Parker, how narrow the straightaways are and how they've got just as much bank or more bank than where we just left, New Hampshire. Well, what's crazy, Kyle, is like as we go into one here, that that launch into the corner, it just feels at times like the car is actually all four tires off the ground. And then right when the car smashes into that banking and loads up, you're back in the throttle. And before you can even see the exit of the corner, you're trying to put throttle back in the car and then launch out of these corners. It's just a place that I've always felt after the first couple laps on the racetrack, I always find myself going, all right, Parker, breathe. Use your, you know, actually breathe a little bit because you find yourself almost holding your breath because it's so intense. And then you add in racing around our cars we're doing right now, and it's so tough. But one of the things that Jimmy does so well, Kyle, is he moves his line around. And I know you've seen that in your years past of racing here. You've got to be able to move your line. Yeah, you know, this place, especially when they went to concrete, you could run on the bottom, you move to the middle, you move up top, where we see Parker running right now. You see, guys, Joey Logano is infamous for, or famous for, for diamonding this place, going in, letting the car drift up in the middle of the corner, uh, coming back across up. How quickly does the bottom of the racetrack weather or rubber up for you as you've been up there? Is that why you end up having to change your groove around? So that's exactly right. What you start to do, Kyle, is you start to try and get away from that rubber. You see that the rubber lays down there and the bottom gets real black and slick and you start to hit rubber spots. And therefore, when it gets like that, you've just got to search for cleaner racetrack. And so you start to move around the racetrack and you mentioned the diamond and the reason they Joe Logano does that, and what Jimmy Johnson has been known for doing that as well, is that you're able to enter the corner at the speed you want, get the car turned, and then be straight off the corner. Because even though you've got all this banking, it's hard to put down all that horsepower at this place when it gets slick, considering how fast you're going around here. And therefore, you've got to find a way to get it straight off the corner. Otherwise, you're just going to be killing the rear tires, which will make you slow over the long run. And one thing I always think is funny about this place, Kyle, is when drivers talk about it being mentally demanding, it's also physically demanding. It's got to be probably one of the most physically demanding ovals we go to all year. Yeah, this is one of those places, uh, and we know Jimmy's Jimmy's fitness level, but this is one of those places, Carolyn and, and Parker, for me, on Monday morning, 
I just wanted to lay in bed all day long from a physical standpoint. You were mentally exhausted when you got home, but you felt like you'd been beat with a baseball bat, it felt like, uh, because it throws you to the right. It sets you back in the seat. You feel like you're driving off in the, in the corners like you're talking about. The way the car lands, the way it hits, uh, you feel it in your teeth even. So it, it's a tough place to, to get around. Right, and right now I'm racing with this 48 car in front of me. This could be a similar position many of the drivers will find themselves in trying to pass a 48. And as you get up in here, you don't want to do that, but you want to be able to get beside them and maybe kill and beat them up off the corner a little bit. That's going to be key for many of these drivers. They want to beat that 48, being able to beat him up off the corner. Hey, how about you beating a 48 in the sim off the corner? Very nice work to Parker Kligerman. We'll let you get out of there and come back to the desk. Uh, we will still check in with Martin Truex Jr., a driver that could very well beat Jimmy Johnson at Dover this weekend. He was at Dover today to offer support to military members and civilians dealing with spinal cord injuries. So we're going to head to today's event and tell you more about that at the Monster Mile. That's next. Welcome back, everybody. Earlier today, Furniture Row Racing and Dover International Speedway hosted NeuroGroove Race Day. That's a program aligned with Falchi Adaptive Biosystems and the U.S. Air Force Academy to showcase cutting-edge technology and maximize the impact of bringing mobility to paraplegic, quadriplegic, and disabled individuals. And Martin Trucks Jr. was on hand to take part. Well, here a few years ago, uh, we got a phone call from some of our friends at Craig Hospital, and uh, we met one of the neurosurgeons, Scott, and he told us about a, pro a program, an idea he had that he wanted to build a NASCAR cup car uh, that some of his patients could could utilize. The idea really started, uh, the inspiration was from a former patient of mine who became spinal cord injured. He was an avid race car driver, amateur level, and he needed surgery. I had to operate on him, but he told me that he was just dying to get back into a race car. It was something that he was just itching to do, would, would inspire him and so forth. And that's really what, where it started. The owner of our team, Barney Visser, really took a tart and uh, told me, go build this car. So uh, we got with the guys in the shop and we built a car to be able to uh, put these ride-along programs and, and they actually can drive the car as well. We did this program a few years back at uh, Pikes Peak and, and got to drive people around in this very car. So they've, they've been doing quite a bit with it and working with it a lot. And, um, it's just really neat to see the technology and the passion of, of you know, the doctors and Dr. Filesy and um, what they're doing for, for these, these people and the spinal cord injuries and all that stuff. So it's, um, it's really cool to be a part of it. I'm honored to be here to drive some of these guys around and uh, it'd be really neat to see how they think about it when they actually drive it themselves. That'll be interesting. We uh, made it to where the doors actually open up and, and still close to maintain the integrity of the roll cage and you can uh, drive it just in the driver's seat with a steering wheel and brakes or you can use hand controls. Eventually we're going to keep advancing uh, the drive systems even to the point where they don't need their hands or feet. Uh, we're going to use smart glasses technology. It's a lot of fun you know just to see the enjoyment level and the excitement level of them and uh, of all the places I've done ride-alongs this is definitely the craziest one. There's always a little bit of they're a little scared a little bit of trepidation what's this going to be like and they come out with just grins on their face what, what they just went through you know it's just cool to get to meet them honestly and and hear their stories and you know see the challenges that they faced and uh the way they faced them and to come here and just enjoy themselves is good to see so i'm glad to be a part of that and um you know hopefully we got some new fans out of it as well
Kyle, I love this adaptive Toyota Camry, and I think visually it's stunning, and it's such a, a cool thing that these people can come and do who are affected by these spinal cord injuries. And of all the drivers that you would want to take a ride with, Martin Truex Jr. is so engaging. I'm sure it's just a win-win on all sides. Yeah, and, and we know what Martin Truex does uh, off the racetrack with his foundation, what he and Sherry do. Uh, it seems like these guys are constantly giving back, but this is something incredible to see those hand controls, to see these guys, these men and women, to roll up to this car, to look inside. You see the smile on their face. Uh, they're asking a million questions. And, and as Martin said, I'm giving them rides, but this is something they can drive also, which makes it even more fantastic. So you got to give it to, to Martin Truex and Barney Visser uh, and those guys at Furniture Row for stepping out and building this. This is not about sponsorship. This is not about anything else except giving back to a community uh, in need, and, and I think this is pretty special. Mm. Kyle, that is cool, the part you mentioned about the hand controls and being able to drive themselves. I think that's awesome because I've done some of the ride-along programs before. You know, it's cool to give someone a ride, but the fact that they have the chance to drive themselves, what they just saw the driver do, that's pretty awesome. And I, I kind of think back to uh, Sam Schmidt, the IndyCar, former IndyCar driver and IndyCar owner who we've seen drive that Corvette around the Speedway, only using, as they said, basically eye technology. I think this is really cool what we've seen, the technology out there for these people out there maybe that maybe don't have all the use of their limbs to go out there and drive these cars. It's yeah, pretty cool. absolutely. Kyle, as it relates to the playoffs, um, just getting back to what's at stake this weekend, you look at what Martin Truex Jr. has done over the last two years. He's got nine wins. He leads all drivers over that time. Is there a psychological advantage that he now has where it seems like when you talk to all the other playoff drivers heading into the weekend, they just expect Truex to be there at the front? The psychological advantage is he's got nine wins and 19 stage wins, and he just keeps pounding and pounding and pounding. And they know when they look in the mirror uh, and see that 78 car coming, it's coming for a reason. It's coming to lap them. It's coming to take their position. I, I, you know, I was talking to a kid the other day that, that raced uh, with Teddy Christopher, and he said he had an opportunity to practice Teddy's car one time uh, at a modified event. And he said as he went out to practice, he would come up on people, and they just naturally got out of the way because they thought it was Teddy Christopher driving this car. <laughs> that's the way it was with Earnhardt. That's the way it's been with Jimmy Johnson. That's the way it was with Jeff Gordon. And that's kind of the way it is right now with Martin Truex. As he gets to a place in the field, these guys naturally get out of his way because they know the speed's there. They know he's come to win, and they know he's chasing that championship. And you know what's funny, I think, is that you talk about a psychological advantage, but some of it may be just within himself and his race team. I think about times where, Kyle, you can maybe add in on this as well a little bit, where when you're winning and you're the top dog in a race series, you got a bit of swagger to you. You walk through the garage. Not only do people get out of your way on the racetrack, but as you're walking through the garage, you can tell all the eyes are looking at you. They're all looking at your race team. They're all trying to figure out what you're doing. And that's kind of an emotional thing. Like, that's a bump a little bit. It's a little bit of confidence that's instilled in you because you know the whole series is chasing you. And that's where the 78 finds themselves right now and that just that's that sort of momentum that's that intangible thing you can't really put your finger on but you know is just aiding that race team to be better yeah it felt like the trouble this past weekend really Kyle will have no bearing on the respect that he's going to be given this weekend especially given the fact that he won this race last year no look when you look at last weekend uh and, and look at, at New Hampshire he leads the race he gets in a spin, he has trouble, and drives back to be in contention at the end of that race. Uh, that sends a big message. Those guys, it's all about for them win, win, win at all costs and block other people from winning, and that's what they've been doing.
All right, we're going to say goodbye to you because you got to head out early. Are you catching a See flight you, or something? No, I got to go to the Hall of Fame to do something. But I, I want to say this, Carolyn, you didn't give me a shout out on the iRacing, and I was there. <laughs> but and I don't know why you didn't. I was doing the ambulance simulator. I had it parked That's... in the middle of pit road. So, Perfect. Um, Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for being with Bye. us. Bye. Yeah, see ya. Um, all right. Martin Truex Jr., of course, is talented. We know this already. It takes an entire team to win. So when we come back, we're going to reveal this week's nominees for the Pit Crew All-Stars. That includes a tire changer whose father was part of the famed Flying Aces back in the day as well. So those names when we come back. Coming up next, right here on NBCSN, it's the Wheeling Modified Tour from New Hampshire. Ryan Newman looking to spoil the show for tour regulars, but he will have to deal with names like Bobby Santos and the reigning series champ, Doug Kobe, who each have multiple wins on the Magic Mile. And then following our coverage of the Wheeling Modified Tour at 7 p.m. Eastern, we are going to bring you an IndyCar special, Joseph Newgarden, Verizon IndyCar Championship Reflection. Here's a sneak peek at that show. Driving race cars was the most important thing to me. That's all I care about in life. That's all I want to do. You always have to be evolving of what you're going to do and how you're going to play it. Baby, that was awesome. Joseph Newgarden is an IndyCar race winner. Joining Team Penske was the biggest challenge put in front of me. Mark that line. Oh. The championship leader is in huge trouble. Joseph Newgarden is going to win for the fourth time in 2017. Take it to victory lane. Whoa, he's stuffing it in. Racing hard is something that I don't regret doing. I love driving Indy hard. Joseph Newgarden is the 2017 Verizon IndyCar Series champion. It's been quite a year for the 26-year-old. That is on the way, but it is now time to reveal this week's nominees for the Pit Crew All-Stars. And we start with Darren Russell, who works as an engine tuner for the Wood Brothers. Just four years ago, Russell sustained severe leg injuries in a golf cart accident. He returned to the pits after going through a recovery process which lasted more than a year. Next up, we have Shane Papala. He serves as Kurt Busch's front tire changer. He is considered one of the best at his position by his peers. And he decided to pursue a career in racing after years of watching events on television. And he was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And then finally, there's Austin Dillon's rear tire changer, Jake Lind. He is a second-generation crew member. His father, Will, was a member of Dale Earnhardt's famous Flying Aces pit crew. When he was a child attending races, Jake often played in the infield with none other than Dale Earnhardt Jr. So once again, our nominees this week are Darren Russell, Shane Papala, and Jake Lind. And just remember, in November, we're going to reveal the 2017 pit crew all-star team during championship weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway. We are very pleased to honor the pit crews in this way. Parker, I know you've been talking about somebody on Austin Dillon's team as well, a front tire changer, Terry Spaulding. Yeah, so actually, before we jump to that, I just have to add one cool thing about sure. Darren Russell there, the engine tuner on the 21. Good friend of mine, and one thing he does as a hobby is he's actually been training to get his pilot's license with Brad Keselowski's spotter, Joey Meyer, who's a pilot, is also Brad Keselowski's spotter. So I don't know why it's not in there, but it's pretty cool. He's been that doing it the last cool. couple of years. He's excited about that. They all have a very, very interesting exactly. background and story. You wouldn't the time to do that, which is incredible. But uh, the, you brought up the front tire changer on the three car of Austin Dillon. His name is Terry Spaulding, and this guy is an Iron Man of the pit crew uh, genre because Going past this season, this weekend, on Monday, he's turning 50 years old. And when you think about pit crew guys, you think about young, 
ex-college athletes, big, you know, very strong guys. And Terry has been doing this for 22 years. He's got some of the fastest hands in the garage, they tell me. They're changing the lug nuts. He's continually been as fast as ever. He's actually faster than ever, some of them told me. And he told me, actually, just this last weekend that, you know, he always had kind of a, a demarcation line. Maybe I'll quit at 50, that sort of thing. And now he says, now I'm aiming for 60. So we'll see He's if like he gets the all the way there. He's of big crew members. He's just going to push it and push and, it and push it. And you know the athleticism that's needed to do that and all those, th- you know, how much you, how fast you to move it's incredible he's able to do that at this age and, and be as fast as he is on a playoff team well that's what i'm wondering with the quick reflexes and stuff that it requires i mean it may be a question for steve latart as well but you're right we always identify these young pit crew members who are former linebackers who are so athletic but their hands move so fast and they're just so agile i mean maybe that is really the key to being successful in there so in speaking to some of these pit crew members one of the, the craziest things i learned is about front tire changers or rear tire changers the guys who act actually take the lug nuts on and off. It can take up to two years to train a guy to learn to be the level of a guy that's actually in the Cup Series right now. And that's just to be at his level, not to be continuing his level. That's just to sometimes in practice hit the times that he's able to hit and be able to do it as fast as he does and as consistently as he does. So it's really an incredible skill that we're seeing here each and every time they come down pit road. And what always gets me is you see a lot of times in any sport, right, that you kind of you work into the game and you can kind of find your, your rhythm a little bit. But for pit crew members, that car only comes down a couple times each race, and you have to be absolutely perfect for 11 seconds, and then that's it. Yeah. And then you get to, you have to stop for a while. You can sit around. You can drink something, and then you have to be absolutely perfect for 11 seconds more. I think it's incredible what these pit crew members do week in, week out. So mental and physical pressure for these guys, especially when the playoffs hit. All right, we are going to shift gears to the Xfinity Series playoffs when we come back. How will the drivers handle the challenges of racing at Dover with that added pressure of the postseason? We'll talk about that next. certainly has a history of creating chaos and we're going to see if that is the case this weekend. Our NBCSN coverage from Dover beginning Friday morning at 10 Eastern. Saturday, the Xfinity Series playoffs continuing at 2.30. Sunday, 1.30. First elimination race, of course, in the Monster Energy Series playoffs. Let's focus in on the Xfinity now while we have a second. We'll look at the playoff leaderboard here and see where things stand after one playoff race. Remember, last weekend at Kentucky, so you've got Cole Custer had a great night there. He won two stages. He's currently second on the leaderboard. He's tied in points with Justin Allgaier right now. However, because Tyler Reddick, who is not in the playoffs, won at Kentucky, all eight spots in the next round are still up for grabs as we head to playoff race number two in Dover. Oh, man. Dover is definitely a, a, a challenging track and probably the most challenging track. It's um, very physical racetrack. If you're off a little bit, it can be miserable, make the long day. It's kind of the perfect storm of all these difficulties you have to overcome. And something can happen up in front of you, and you're in it before you can even blink an eye. Oh, oh we have a hard crash on the backstretch. Dover's one of those challenging tracks. No matter if it's a playoff race or not, the only track I've ever actually been, have, been reminded to breathe by my spotter. 
<sighs> put the playoff pressure on it, that makes it even more fun. One of the most intense places that we go to and craziest, so it's definitely a cool one to go to in the first round. You're gonna have to be on your toes there. Right now the plan is win. Almost every single driver, they will do whatever it takes to get to the next round. I'm gonna go all out for the win at Dover. If you are in that position and it's a must win, you'll do what you need to do to, to get that must win. So the Xfinity Series drivers echoing what Jimmy Johnson said earlier in the show when he told our Dave Burns, listen, you don't have any room to hang back. You must be aggressive at Dover. Who in the series right now has caught your eye? Well, after all the wrecks at the beginning of this segment, I have a bit of a headache watching most of those. <laughs> but uh, actually, who's been catching my eye just after the first race in the playoffs is Brennan Poole in the 48 car. Yes, his teammate Tyler Reddick won at Kentucky, but who was second? It was Brennan Poole. And actually, coming into the playoffs, I think for many looking at this series, we felt like the, the contenders for Miami are most likely going to be the one car of Elliott Sadler, the seven of Justin Algar, and the nine of William Byron. Junior Motorsports looks to be the strongest race team. So the question was, who's going to be that fourth driver? Who's going to be that fourth team? And therefore, it really looked like Cole Custer, the 48, the 21 were some of the favorites there. And the 48, to me, separated himself from the others, especially at the end of that Kentucky race. He had a lot of speed. He had a lot of speed on the long run. And I think this team is primed and positioned to make a run through these playoffs. I look at some of the tracks, and I feel like they're great tracks for him and that race team to go up there and capitalize on what they did at Kentucky. And I just think Ganassi as a whole, as an Xfinity team, brought a little bit more to the playoffs. And we saw that with the 42 winning, him finishing second. And I think they are showing they might be propelling themselves towards the championship. So it's still so early in the Xfinity playoffs, but right now you still think Junior Motorsports and all three of those drivers, it's highly likely that they are going to make it all the way through to the end. They are most definitely the strongest uh, three cars in the Xfinity Series, in the playoffs at least right now. I think when you look across the season, Justin Algar winning, obviously William Byron winning, Elliott Sadler sort of fringing there, trying to get that win. But I think the, you know, when you look at the speed of those race cars, that's the thing that's caught most people off hand is that the speed of the Junior Motorsports cars is just cutting above a little bit the other cars, kind of like the 78 and Cup. Yeah, well, let's go back to Cup. Who are you right. taking? Who are you taking this week? Who weekend? am I taking? All right, I said on Victory Lap earlier this week, and I'm going to stick with it. It is the 48 of Jimmy Johnson. Oh. will go to Victor Lane for the 12th time at Dover, and he will well, find himself wait. locked in to going to the round of 12. I believe that 48 car is on the up right now. Wow, that was dangerous. I that know. That was a dangerous I'm on a pick. All right, that's all for us. Make sure you log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR for the latest news from the weekend. We're going to see you tomorrow for a full day from Dover. Coming up next, we'll modify for from New Hampshire. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.